This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This podcast is proudly sponsored by the packaging division of Micromatic, the leader in keg spear quality and innovation. Let our veteran technical support staff provide you with the training and information you need to safely service your kegs. For more information, visit micromatic.com. There's no reason this couldn't be laid out, depending on their topography, to actually fit the the grounds themselves. Maybe it even flows through a beer garden or something along that lines. This week on the show, you'll hear about a pilot study conducted at Holy City Brewing in South Carolina to treat brewery wastewater with a constructed wetland. Matt Huddleston and Kevin Campbell of Sintera walk us through this very interesting case study which was recently presented during the 2017 Master Brewers Conference in Atlanta. Wetlands are nature's water purification system. This pilot study was conducted to apply this natural process to brewery wastewater. Matt, before we get into your case study, can you give us some background on constructed wetlands? Sure, John. Well, constructed wetlands have been around for a number of decades for a variety of of purposes, um, in, including industrial wastewater treatment, uh, municipal wastewater treatment, and, and other applications. Um, our goal in designing constructed wetlands is is largely to to um, design a system that is economically viable and, and socially acceptable and environmentally sustainable. Really, when, when, we, when we talk about constructed wetlands, we're, we're, we're referring to systems that are designed to treat, and by that I mean either transfer or transform constituents in water uh, so that they are of, of uh, limited, if any, risk to the receiving waters. Tell us about the various applications that are a good fit for constructed wetlands. So typical constructed wetland applications uh, could include pretreatment uh, for water supplies, uh, but more, most often, uh, at least in, in terms of uh, my experience, it's, it's for stormwater runoff. It could be for wastewater polishing, which is, which is one application I see in the brewing industry. Um, uh, could also be to uh, treat water for, for recycling or reuse or irrigation purposes and sometimes uh, pre-treatment before discharge to a publicly owned treatment works. What are constructed wetlands most effective in treating? BOD, TSS, or something else? Well, yeah, all those. Uh, We also have experience treating nutrients such as nitrogen and phosphorus, Um, have designed some systems for organics uh, related to pulp and paper mill, uh, wastewater and uh, petroleum refinery wastewater. Uh, they're, they're great for metals. Um, uh, not all metals, but, but uh, you know, they're, um, you, you can design them for um, uh, 
to remove specific uh, metals and metalloids, and then often toxicity by, by removing a number of these constituents. And I should say that that's one great thing about constructed wetlands is that, is that they can treat multiple constituents. Um, and by doing that, you're oftentimes um, mitigating toxicity associated with the wastewater as well. There are a lot of acronyms in this industry, and I made the mistake of not defining BOD or TSS. Matt, could you do that for any listeners that may not be familiar with those terms? BOD is biochemical or biological oxygen demand. It's a, it's a typical wastewater parameter that's sort of an indirect measure of, of uh, the amount of organic material uh, within wastewater that will be degraded by microbes. And while, while, when, when microbes uh, chew on and metabolize those organics, they create an oxygen demand. So that's, that's what BOD is. Uh, CSS stands for uh, total suspended solids, um, another uh, uh, sort of generic parameter uh, in, in the wastewater world. Um, those solids can be of, of any character. It could be organic matter, it could be inorganic matter, so any combination of. But, but um, um, treatment plants uh, can, can usually handle certain loads of TSS, and that's why we, we uh, pay attention to that parameter. Some of the other presenters in your session discuss more common treatment methods. I don't want to waste any of our time on those since we've already covered those concepts back on episode 37, but you were careful to mention that you don't think constructed wetlands uh, is a magic bullet that's going to solve all problems and that they're, they're most effective when used in conjunction with other treatments. Tell us about that. What are the limitations? Well, I think that's right, John. Um, and in our experience, and especially in in, um, in in becoming more familiar with the characteristics of, of brewery wastewater, uh, uh, particularly um, when it comes to uh, biochemical oxygen demand and and solids, I, I think uh, I think where constructed wetlands have have the most application here is is as a polishing or a final step before water is discharged either to a to a receiving system where you have a, a permit to discharge that water or it's released to a POTW or as I said recycled or reused um, because of the of the BOD uh, load that that is typical for brewery wastewater uh, which can range anywhere from from you know um, several hundred milligrams per liter to to thousands of milligrams per liter of BOD uh, that limits the use of constructed wetlands to to treat um, uh, brewery wastewater right out of the facility and so and so um, I think coupling wetlands with more traditional treatment processes like an anaerobic digester and then following that up with a constructed wetland would be a um, would would be the, the way to go here. Okay. Just so we've got an idea of scope, could you give listeners any kind of rule of thumb for how much land you need per, you know, X gallons of wastewater? Sure. Well, that's that's certainly going to be driven by the um, by the quality of the wastewater, um, and and by the and by that I mean the BOD load, the solids loads, um, and so forth. And so you know, we first have to design what those characteristics are, what what those concentrations are, and then understand what concentrations uh, you need to achieve. And that's that's going to drive the design 
And when I say design, I mean the, the size of the wetland. And because that, that's how we understand how long we need to hold the wetland. That's how we understand what the, what the plant, uh, plant characteristics need to be, what the soil characteristics need to be. Um, all those things come into play. Uh, but in, in, as a rule of thumb, um, in the, our experience so far in some of our pilot work, if I give you an example of a facility that uh, produces, let's say, 12,000 barrels uh, per year, we're looking there at a generally a, a daily wastewater discharge of about 8,000, a little over 8,000 gallons per day. And, and so we could treat that amount of wastewater with a, um, with a wetland cell uh, that's, let's, rough, let's say, uh, uh, 25 uh, uh, feet long by about five feet wide. So, so um, if you could envision a, a rectangle in the ground uh, of, of those dimensions, uh, that would provide us enough retention time to, um, to achieve our, our, our target goal. Right. That's not too bad. That's not as big as I would have thought. Um, how about how about climate limitations? Does this only work in in warm climates? Yeah, that's a great question. They they certainly work well uh, in in warm climates uh, because that that helps sustain the biological activity um, in in the wetland. Um, but but wetlands are 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 doing the same things in in northern climates. Obviously, you know Canada <laughs> and uh, and the northern climes are are full of of wetlands and bogs that that uh, that function year round. In terms of designing a wetland for wastewater treatment in those climates, you know, as long as water is flowing, uh, even if it's even if we have a frozen layer on top, as long as there's water flowing underneath and keeping that root root zone uh, active, then we're going to have some biological treatment going on. What kind of permitting is required for constructed wetlands? It depends on the end use. If a facility is interested in discharging their wastewater to waters of the U.S., then then an, a, an NPDES or a National Pollutant Discharge Elimination System permit would be required. And those are permits that a that a state uh, regulatory agency uh, puts on on any industry that that uh, wants to discharge to waters of the of the uh, state or waters of the nation. Beyond that, um, Kevin, you want to? Yeah, the, the only thing I can say is that uh, we, we did reach out to our state agency, and this was the state of South Carolina, and worked with DHEC on that. So as you go to a POTW, certainly the a, a publicly owned treatment works, uh, certainly that uh, that agency is, they have some limits and will either provide you with a permit specific with specific limits or at least recognizing that this flow would be coming from a wetland um, because there's the if if anything uh, anything significant comes to them in the way of biological oxygen demand or TSS they're going to look for the source for where that's coming from so that there is permitting required um, it really depends on the state and the agencies applicable as to where it's going Up, results from the pilot study at Holy City Brewing Company, and more. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. 
This podcast is proudly sponsored by the packaging division of Micromatic. In 2015, Micromatic introduced the concept of a 10-year, 10-color coating of CO2 valves as a tool for brewers to proactively separate kegs which are due for spear service or replacement. Industry veterans John Graber and Steve Brott are available for workshops and presentations to ensure safe and effective maintenance of your Micromatic spears. For more information, visit Micromatic.com. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. The 2017 Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course begins October 29th in Madison. Several districts meet the weekend of November 3rd and 4th. District Mid-Atlantic is at Green Flash in Virginia Beach. District New England meets at Allagash. And District Midwest meets at BrewDog in Winchester, Ohio. The District St. Paul Minneapolis Pig Roast is November 9th. District New York meets November 11th at Triumph in Princeton, New Jersey. Two districts have meetings on November 13th. District Western New York meets at Bottomless Brewing, and District Northern California meets at East Brother Brewing Company. District Milwaukee gathers in Brookfield November 15th. District St. Louis is at Kirkwood Station on the 16th, and District Southeast is at Isla Mirada Brewery in Fort Pierce, where they're holding a special one-day engineering course November 17th, followed by their fall meeting on the 18th. Check the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. You guys recently did a pilot study at Holy City Brewing, uh, which is in South Carolina. Uh, why don't you tell us about that? Sure, John. We um, we partnered with Holy City um, largely because they were they were interested in the technology and. Um, um, had an opportunity also to team with the College of Charleston. Uh, there, locally, one of um, one of the employees at the brewery uh, is a is a student at the College of Charleston in um, in geology, and so she was actually in need of a senior project, and and we were looking for a facility that would that would be interested in in hosting um, a pilot study. Uh, for what we what we felt like was a um, uh, you know is is a, a, a viable alternative for wastewater treatment um, for breweries of a of a certain size and and uh, you know certain production range so so that all worked out uh, very well so we so we set up a pilot study uh, at Holy City's brewery in Charleston um, and what that consisted of was was about uh, four. Uh, 100 gallon um, uh, cattle troughs, and we we uh, we grew our wetland plants in those in those troughs, and we metered uh, Holy City's wastewater into there at a, at a specific um, uh, volume and rate, so that we could uh, we could track the reduction of um, of BOD and solids, and and we also tracked pH and a few other parameters uh, through the system. We ran that pilot study for uh, 12 weeks and um, just recently wrapped that up about, what, mid-June? Yeah. Yeah. There were some operational uh, issues that we had to deal with as far as how to uh, glean the waste from the the brewery. Uh, We had to install a trap in order to pump from 
Ideally, that would have gone through some sort of equalization tank, but because our budget was limited on this project, um, thankfully our company supported that, but they weren't going to support it without any limits. Um, we weren't able to get that EQ tank in place. Um, so once we got through those, those operational issues and were able to introduce uh, waste stream uh, directly to the, the wetlands. How did you guys go about deciding which plants to use in this study? Well, John, I've used a number of plants in, in wetland designs over the years, uh, and it, it really depends on the constituents of the wastewater that you're, you're targeting for treatment. In this case, uh, with BOD, uh, the, the main process, main treatment process we, we wanted to, um, to achieve was, was aerobic uh, degradation of the, um, of the organics that are causing the BOD. And cattails, the common cattail, have, does a great job of translocating oxygen from the atmosphere into the root zone and where, where it can support aerobic degradation of, of, uh, of organics. And so, so we chose uh, cattails because, uh, largely because of that, and they're also very readily available. <laughs> you can go to most any farm pond uh, uh, and, and borrow as many as you need. <laughs> very good. Now, you mentioned that you can design wetlands to be purely anaerobic or, or both. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit more about that? Sure, and that's that's where you you um, you try to marry the uh, the correct combination of of, uh, of aquatic plants or wetland plants with the with the soil characteristics. And so, for an aerobic system, for example, um, we would choose a cattail or or, or another um, another plant. Uh, that would provide plenty of oxygen to the root zone, and then the soil uh, would be of a of a um, of a low organic um, um, uh, character and and plenty of porosity that can can provide uh, for for some um, for that uh, aerobic process. And then, if we wanted to, if we wanted to design an anaerobic uh, wetland, we would really just do the opposite of all that. We we select vegetation that does not supply so much oxygen uh, to the root zone, other than just for its own survival, um, and use a higher a higher organic uh, matter content in the soils. And that would that would um, that would maintain more of an anaerobic um, character. In your pilot study, you used a combination of surface flow and, and subsurface flow uh, to your constructed wetland. Can you describe what that looked like and, and talk about the differences there? Sure. Most of my experience uh, for treating uh, BOD in, in wastewater, uh, industrial wastewater, has been with surface flow wetlands. Um, but some more recent research indicated that, especially for brewery wastewater, that a subsurface flow system might be uh, more effective. And so, and so what we did was we, we, we tried both uh, in parallel. So, so I mentioned the, uh, the cattle troughs a few minutes ago. One, uh, one, one uh, cattle trough was, was designed specifically as a surface flow wetland where the, the water entered at the surface flowed across the uh, uh, across the wetland and then exited at the surface. And then parallel to that, we had a system where water entered at the surface of the wetland, but then percolated down through the entire 
uh, root zone and substrate and we collected the water at the bottom. And really it was just to main, maintain or I should say we, it, it was to maximize the contact of the wastewater with the substrate. Okay, and so that wastewater, it always entered at the surface. It never entered, uh, entered subsurface though, correct? That's correct. Okay, great. Your, this particular study had mixed results. Uh, tell us what results you experienced, uh, what you learned along the way, and what you might change for the next trial. Sure. Well, we were, we were happy to report the uh, removal of solids at about 80%. Uh, we thought that was um, that was a really nice result, especially with respect to um, solids demands on 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 water that enters POTWs. Um, pH also, uh, we we got some stabilization of pH because of the the, the brewery's uh, operations of um, of acid and caustic uh, washes in their their sip process. Um, we could we could get swings of pH anywhere from uh, three up to about twelve, uh, but we were we were able to stabilize that pH right around five or a little higher um, coming out of the wetland. Again, I, I think a little more um, uh, friendly pH for the POTW. BOD was was one that we knew would be would be challenging because of the concentrations coming in. They ranged anywhere from about 600 milligrams per liter to to almost 2,000 milligrams per liter of BOD, um, an average around 1,200. And um, we were not successful at at uh, decreasing the BOD uh, really at any uh, appreciable amount. Again, we we kind of expected some treatment uh but um but it 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 pretty much stayed uh flat line if you will between inflow and outflow and so so really it confirms a couple of things uh one that that wetlands really are not um they're not designed to they're not a magic bullet they can't treat everything uh but it also supports that that uh, that wetlands uh could be um you know, a, a very, I think, a very practical option for for polishing wastewater uh, coming from a more traditional process, such as an aerobic or an anaerobic digester, I should say. Because if we can knock BOD down from that, say, that twelve hundred milligrams per liter uh, down to uh, one to two hundred milligrams per liter, uh, I know from our experience that we can then decrease BOD down to to levels where uh, that one might typically find in a in an NPDES permit. What are those levels typically that would be in the permit? Uh, for example, uh, twenty milligrams per liter would okay. be an NPDES discharge limit. Very good. Anything um, anything you'd like to change in the trial if you were to do it again to maybe enhance that BOD removal? Do you think that there's um, you know any other variables that could be adjusted? Sure. Uh, as as we may have mentioned, we were on a fairly uh, tight uh, timeline, and so our wetland plants didn't get very very uh, didn't get much of a chance to acclimate to the wastewater before we before we started introducing it and, and monitoring our, our inflow and outflow concentrations. So um, even though 12 weeks is, is uh, seems like maybe a long time for a pilot study, uh, ideally, I think if the plants would have had a couple of months to really establish and acclimate to the wastewater and, and then run our, 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 you know, our monitoring phase, 
um, for, for 12 weeks, I think we would have seen uh, different results. Um, you know, I think, uh, again, if we had the, the, um, the ability to uh, modify some of, the, uh, some of the influent parameters, and by that I mean, um, you know, mess around with, with a longer retention time, for example, and see what results we would, we would get there and maybe do that for four weeks or so. Um, um, I, I think that would have been effective. So longer retention time, um, more acclimation time. And then Kevin mentioned the, the EQ base, and I'll let him. Yeah, I think that. definitely if we could do it, we would have uh, equalization basin that would hold on to uh, at least a day's worth of flow through the wetland. In the case of, in this case, for the pilot study itself, uh, but if the entirety of of the effluent from the brewery. Uh, then we'd want to hold on to up to a day's worth of, of that volume in order to allow the, the the sips that they're sending, the acids, just a mix of everything coming from the brewery to equalize so that we're not chasing pH all over the place and, and really taxing the wetland. Um, that's certainly something that we, we would like to have happen in the future. So what do you think's next for Holy City? Chris Brown and the other owners of Holy City um, are, are, are relocating their brewery, um, uh, opening a new facility. Um, it, it's an existing facility, but new for them. Uh, they have significant growth plans as far as the amount of beer they're going to produce um, and, and certainly the grounds themselves. So as part of that growth plan, uh, that's where this pilot study fit right into their uh their desire to one test it, but two also see how it could be incorporated into their grounds. You know, we talk about this as being uh, rectangular because that's how scientists and engineers a lot of times think about things. Is you know what's the easiest dimensions, but there's no reason this couldn't be laid out depending on their topography to actually fit the the grounds themselves. Maybe it even flows through a beer garden or something along that lines and. And that is certainly something that Holy City, and I know a lot of the brewing community in general, is interested in incorporating. So if listeners are interested in learning more about how they could do this at their own brewery, where should they start? Yeah, if, if I were to give advice to anybody that may be interested in this technology or at least finding out about it, there's a couple first steps that are, are, are good to evaluate. One, what kind of flows are you sending out? Uh, to your POTW, but then to also characterize those flows. What kind of pH swings do you see? What is the the biological oxygen demand or total suspended solids? So having those, um, having your effluent characterized gives you a good idea of what your, um, what some good treatment technologies would be and whether uh, constructed wetlands may be part of that. That was Matt Huddleston and Kevin Campbell of Sentara here on the Master Brewers Podcast. If you'd like to get your hands on the full presentation, proceedings from the 2017 Master Brewers Conference will soon be available from the Master Brewers Bookstore at mbaa.com. One hundred and thirty years ago, Master Brewers was built on the concept of brewers helping each other out so we could all make the best possible beer. That's still true to this day, and it's where a lot of the camaraderie in this industry originated. 
Master Brewer's award-winning Ask the Brewmasters is the best place to go for troubleshooting, where you'll find the industry's only discussion forum that's moderated for technical accuracy by a team of experts. See what everyone else is talking about at community.mbaa.com. United we brew. Did you enjoy today's episode? Would you like us to keep making more? If so, there's a really simple way you can let us know. Subscribe, rate, and review the Master Brewers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Can't get stuck, I can't be losing too much. Uh.